Hey friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message today. Everything that the Lord shows me is designed to impact people's lives and advance the kingdom in a mighty way. My prayer is that you would be so blessed and so rooted and so established in the more that the Lord has in store for your life. And remember, stay fired up! So the Lord never wants you to conform. He wants you to transform. The word conform is never used in the Bible in the context of him trying to make you like him. But to become like him, he transforms us. And there's a big difference. Everybody say conform or transform. And so there's this constant battle for our lives and this constant battle for our minds and our thoughts constantly. There's a battlefield going on in our head. And God's looking for people that have realized and recognized that living life on our own and doing it our way is never going to work. And my hope and my prayer is to teach my children and teenagers and young adults that early on. It took me a long time to really realize and figure out that I can't live life my own way. A long time. It took a hurricane. It took being in and out of jail. It took hurting a lot of people's lives. It took me hurting my own life. A lot of broken relationships, a lot of failed jobs, uh, getting into trouble a lot, and just realizing, recognizing that at some point I was tired of banging my head against a wall and that something had to change. And in the kingdom of God, there's a, a pattern of desperation that has to take place in the hearts of somebody. I don't want to try to persuade you or convince you in a way that doesn't bring you to a place where you realize and recognize the need for yourself. I can paint the picture for you of why we need them, but at some point, you have to come to the place in your own life and realize, I'm really desperate. Now, teenagers and young adults, a lot of times when the whole world's in front of you and you're going to school and you've got your career, you're making money, you've got friends, and it seems like everything seems to be going right for you, it can be really difficult to understand how desperate we are and how much we really need the Lord in our life. We can look at spiritual parents and pastors and leaders and mamas and papas as an example. The challenge is is that we don't have so many good examples around, but I believe God's changing that. Now, for me, my parents, unfortunately, were not very good examples of what it meant to live an awesome, on-fire, lit-up Christian life. And even though they loved me, they were flawed and they were broken in the way that they loved me. I was taught a lot of things that were really not good for my life. Things like, you're going to have sex, so use a condom, just don't get somebody pregnant. Not watching me when I was out at 11 and 12 o'clock at night when I was in the 8th grade, drinking and getting high with my friends behind the pizza place in my small town in Missouri. I had parents that really didn't understand conviction by the Holy Spirit. They loved me, and they did the best that they knew to do. And I don't put blame on my parents. I take responsibility for the own choices that I made in my life. Okay, But I did have influence from them. And unfortunately, it wasn't the best influence. And the challenge is, is that in this day and age, we, have, we don't have a lot of great influencers spiritually. But I'm on a mission to change that, and so is this church. But what I want to embrace, what I want all of you to embrace right now is that I'm not out to try to get you to conform to man-made religion. I want you to take down the guard. Some of you haven't been to church ever before. There's some of you here today that haven't been to church before, haven't been in a long time. There's some of you here that have been really wounded and hurt and jaded by organized religion. I hear it all the time. I don't like organized religion. I don't see why I need church. My church is out walking the beach or under the stars. I can have a relationship with God. I don't really need to be in relationship with other people. And they get isolated, and that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. The truth is is that we need each other. If I had a broken hand or a blind eye or both blind eyes or deaf ears, then I wouldn't be a full, healthy body in every way. We need each other. I need you, and you need me. The challenge is is that we need to become healthy, good examples of what it means to be on fire and to love Jesus and to see people transformed, not conformed. We're not looking for uniformity. We're looking for unity. And what I want to do is get you to take down the wall right now so that we can have a really great conversation about what it means to be transformed.
because you all need it. You don't need to go to prison. You don't need to get married and divorced repeatedly and over and over again. And if you've been through that, there's grace and love and mercy in this place because I have been through it. And I don't walk in any shame. I made a lot of mistakes that I want to prevent you from making. And you better believe that I'm going to be passionate and excited about it. Not in a way that beats conformity and religion into you, but in a way that shows you passionate love and excitement and what transformation should look like. Because God brought me from the streets and prison and broken relationships and drugs and pursuing false peace, love, and happiness while I traveled around the country chasing Grateful Dead and fish concerts and blues traveler concerts and looking for love in all the wrong places. God rescued me and brought me to a place where I have the most awesome wife, the most amazing children. I get to build community by selling coffee instead of joints. Yeah. (laughs) And instead of grinding cocaine, I'm grinding coffee beans. That's a good thing. Let me just tell you right now, okay? Because if it wasn't for God's intervention and transformation, see, the reason why so many people are turned off from church, the reason why so many times we come in with our guard up, being afraid that the pastor's going to beat you over the head with the Bible, or we put on our best Sunday morning face, is because we're afraid that somebody's going to try to cram religion and conformity down your throat. And it's dysfunctional. And that's why this church is growing, and that's why you're here, is because you are believing for something more than you've experienced before. Everybody say, because there's more. Now, let me tell you the more. The more is something that you have to take a hold of individually, but then come into alignment together with a body and a family because we're never going to be able to accomplish what God has for us alone. But at the same time, if we don't learn to find it alone and in the hidden secret place, you're never going to get it. There are people that go to church all their life and don't know the Lord. They know about him. I have people come to me all the time and say, man, pastor, I'm going through the hardest time. And I said, have you been spending time with the Lord? And they say, oh, I read my Bible every day. And there's people that read their Bible every day all their life and do not know God, but they know about him. See, reading your Bible will teach you about God. But fully surrendering your life, being born again, and hearing him speak to you from his breath, from his rhema word, is what transforms you. Because here's the deal. If you... There's people that come to me depressed, broke, busted, disgusted, and tell me they do religious duty all the time. Your religious duty is not going to move the heart of God. God's not out for religious piety. He's out for authenticity. He wants you and all of you. It's not enough to just know about him. He wants you to know him, and he wants you to be known. Now, I've said this a lot lately, and I'm going to keep saying it because... Some of you are struggling to really get it, and I know that, and I'm okay with that, but I want to challenge you. At a church like this where you're constantly loved and challenged and you feel the presence of God and you feel safe, you'll keep coming. And at some point, my prayer and my hope is that the dysfunctional cycles that are causing you to do things that you know aren't healthy for your life, that the light will finally go off and you'll make a change and you'll make a decision to do something about it. But the only way that you're going to change is to be transformed because that's what the word transform means. It means to be changed from one form to another. It also means to be transfigured. Okay? See, I don't, to, the, the, the person you see right now is not the person that I was a year, two years, five years, ten years, or twenty years ago. I'm not the same person that I once was, inside and out. Because transformation also means that the outward appearance from the inside, completely changes. It means that you start to shine. It means that you suddenly look a little bit different. I don't know what it is about you. When you first were coming, you had this ho-hum, glum look about you, mad at the world, you know, apathetic and skeptical about everything. But now you've got this smile and this glow and this, this look about you that's so beautiful and so powerful. What has happened to you? I call it, and the Bible calls it, the Zoe life. The Zoe life is the God kind of life. Everybody say the God kind of life. 
that's different than the life that you were born with. The life that you were born with is the psyche, Sigmund Freud life. <laughs> that's your own will, mind, emotions, and carnal nature or human nature. If you ever say, wow, man, it's just human nature to do, and you fill in the blank, that's the problem. The problem is the human nature is corrupt. The human nature that we were born with is corrupt. And what most religion tries to do is get you to conform to a religious pattern instead of having you transformed into the life that God has for you. That's the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. Every other religion, mark my words, study, go study world religion. You will find that not one religion has the same understanding and experiences and life that Christianity brings. Because in Christianity, you're changed from the inside out, Amen. not your religious works and duty. In every other religion, you got to pray X amount of times a day, face a certain way. You have to really be good so you can come back, not as a mouse, but maybe as a cow. <laughs> I don't know. You, you have all these religious rites and things that you can't do. By the way, that's a true thing that I said. It's kind of funny, but it is a true thing. Forms of enlightenment, if you be a better person and you measure up and you do all the right things, you'll become more enlightened and you'll attain. What I'm trying to tell you is that God is looking to make you a son and a daughter and to put you into an army yeah. or a family, a community. He takes the lonely and the isolated and the fatherless and he puts them into relationship. So that if you come in here with a black eye, a blind eye, a deaf ear, or a broken hand, something changes in your life, and now you have a body to walk with and to be strengthened together with. Now, there's some of you here that are unbelievers. There's some of you here that are skeptical. You've been turned off by what you see on TV or the street corner preachers. You're turned off by all the preaching of hell and fearful tactics to try to get you to conform. And what I want to tell you is that if you want to live the life you were always destined to live, if you want to really know the beauty and the power of who God created you to be, you have to allow God to transform you. Anybody that does not know the Lord or an unbeliever, knowing it or not, has blinders on their eyes so that they can't see. What I want to do is help you to see and know the greatness of who God is. But I'm not going to do that by trying to make you conform to a religious structure. You don't have to join the church. Instead, when you give your life to Christ, you join a church all over the world. And that's a body of people, mamas, fathers, brothers, sisters, and family. Okay? Now, God wants a militant church. What does it mean to be militant? It doesn't mean to be angry. It doesn't mean to be over-rigid, over-structured. What it means is, is that we become an army with a purpose. And our purpose is to rescue the hurting, the broken, those that have experienced injustice, those that have done injustice, those that have finally come to the end of themselves and said, I don't want to live the way I was living anymore. And God raises up an army of lovesick people that are desperate for him and desperate now to rescue and save others. And that's not the way that I used to be. Because the way that I used to be was, what can you do for me? And I looked at everyone and every situation, every circumstance of how I could personally gain from it instead of how I can help you to personally gain from it. If you drive down SPID, there's all kinds of signs that are trying to allure you and draw you and attract you to the world system. Alcohol, jewelry, parties, you know, beer advertisements that declare what real life should be like, but it's not. So there's this bombarding thing against your life to draw you and allure you to something that will cause you to conform. God's pattern's not conform, but the world's pattern is conform. The world's pattern is to make you like them. In the kingdom, God transforms us to make us like him. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between conforming and transforming. Okay? Watch TV. You watch TV for any amount of time, especially any of the main channels, NBC, ABC, CBS, watch any sports, watch basketball, watch football, go to the movies. Most of what we're seeing, most, not all, but most, 
has this subtle, attractive thing to draw you into conforming to the world's pattern and to think that that's normal, but it's not normal. And so God would give us an answer. God would give us the ability to overcome mental issues, anxiety, depression, fear, worry. I would imagine that there's a lot of people here today that really struggle sleeping. Takes you two hours to go to bed. If you get woken up in the middle of the night, takes you two more hours to fall back asleep. Your mind's racing. You're anxious. You're nervous. You're worried. What if this happens? And I know that world really well. We have two little children, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. It seems like as soon as they get healthy from some random strange fever or cough or something, runny nose, something else seems to happen. It's been a lot lately, and it's been really, really hard. And in juggling all of the responsibilities of coffee shops and church and a shopping center, my own life, my marriage, my children, if I don't learn to be transformed, I'll find myself becoming conformed. This is the battle going on for your mind. It's the battlefield of the mind. Okay, but I want to tell you, take down the fear and the worry that I'm going to try to get you to conform to religion, because I'm not. I want you to be transformed. I don't want to make you look like me. I want to make you look like Jesus. And the only way that's going to happen is when you get transformed. So we're going to talk, talk about that today. Conform or transform. And I'm passionate about this, and I talk about a militant church because we're in a war. We're in a war for your soul. We're in a war, war for your life. Jesus said that the thief, the devil, John 10.10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Revelations 12.10 says that the accuser who accuses the brethren... All of us, day and night, is always after you, always day and night. And to be accused means that you're doing something wrong, always. And we lay in bed at night and we walk through our days being Christians, hoping that we'll make it to heaven when God wants you to live fully full of life and energy and passion. That's the Zoe life. It's vigorous. It's animate. It's full of power, full of joy, full of excitement. And it doesn't mean that I don't go through hard times. Some of you that are visiting today, you have no idea what I've been through in the last six months. My story and my testimony is a constant story of, of overcoming adversity. Always. Last week, our kids were battling strep throat. Sleepless nights, pressures, people pulling, struggles, challenges. Sometimes it seems like it never ends. But if you don't have a belt full of ammo, if you don't have a heart full of treasures and confidence and faith in the Lord, you'll get beat out, beat down, wore out, broken, and empty. And if you're wore out, broken, and empty, and your marriage is on the rocks, and you've been arguing and fighting and unhappy and stressed out and sleepless nights, we're going to change that today. We're going to change that today, and you're in the right place. Let's pull up Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. This one and the next one is an amazing passage of Scripture. And if you haven't read your Bible in a long time, I'm going to break this down for you. First of all, the word beseech is not necessarily a word that we use in our everyday modern English. Okay? But I like this word, and I use the New King James Version of the Bible because I believe that these words really give me an insight to the treasures of the original Greek and Hebrew and what they mean. The word beseech is the word and it means to comfort, to come alongside, to, to help you, and to aid you. So the writer of this book, the Apostle Paul, is saying, listen, I'm, I'm begging you, not in a, in a pitiful, negative, bad way, but in a way that is pleading with you to be comforted, and I want you to be aided by what? The mercies of God. Mercy is the word compassion. And if you see God as a harsh God with a big beard and a staff on a big throne, angry at you and mad at you and telling you you're such a screw-up, you've messed it all up, you made your bed now lie in it, you've got a warped perception of who God is. Let me tell you something. Some of you make your bed the wrong bed and lie in it night after night after night. God in his love and his kindness and his compassion, this means God is moved to compassion for your life or he's moved to pity. Not, I pity the fool. He's not Mr. T. God's not Mr. T. I pity the fool. Let me tell you who God is. 
He is a kind, loving, compassionate God. Some of you are struggling really mentally big time today. There's a reason why I'm preaching this message. Some of you in your mind are spinning out. Confusion, anxiety, worry, fear. Just say, busted. Just say to the Lord, God, you got me. Because there's a thousand messages I could have preached today. A thousand. My biggest struggle for a Sunday morning is what not to say. I run about 10 messages by my wife. She's like, oh, yeah, that's good. You should do that. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. And then every now and then she says, no, don't do that. That and I run them by her. I mean, there's so many things that I want. In fact, I wrote an entire different message for this morning. God woke me up and said, I'm going to shift you in gears today. I got sons and daughters that can't sleep. I got unbelievers coming that don't know who I am. I got my own children that are spun out in confusion and conforming to the patterns of this world. This is the contrast. Everybody say the contrast. It's the difference between dark and light. What's the dark? Conforming to the patterns of the world. What's the light? Being transformed by the renewing of your mind, which I'm going to show you in the next scripture. So let's break it down. So I want you to be comforted by the mercies of God, and I'm pleading with you by the mercies, by God's mercy, his undeserved forgiveness. You never deserved it to begin with. So lay down all your religious duty and say, God, here I come just as I am. Some of you've got this belief system that once I go to church enough, once I do all the right things enough, once I stop smoking, drinking, token, all the things that I'm doing, once I stop doing that, then I'm going to get my life right. It doesn't work that way. That's behavior modification. You might as well be like all the other religions of the world. But Christianity, through the Holy Spirit, literally being possessed by the Spirit of God changes you. You can't do it through behavior modification and religion. The fact that you came today doesn't fix anything. Making a decision and saying yes will transform you. Amen. And I'm going to show you what to say yes to. So, Paul is saying, I'm pleading with you by the mercy of God to present. The word present means I'm coming out of hiding. I'm no longer going to hide in shame. If I can get you to really believe that this is a culture and I can teach the leaders and we can build a culture of trust and honor where you feel safe, guess what you'll do? Come out of hiding. Yeah. Let me tell you something. You can tell me the worst thing that you think you're doing. I probably have heard it. Yeah. I'm not kidding. From murder, from wanting to, I've had people confess wanting to sacrifice. They were Wiccans. They were going to sacrifice their kids that night. I've had people tell me about the, 25 people they slept with that they were sleeping with the prostitute i've had people come and tell me the worst of the worst drugged out cheating lying sneaky adulterous affairs stealing money my spouse doesn't know i've been doing i mean i've heard it and i've learned to not be unfazed because i don't see you for who you are i see you for who god wants you to be and what i do is i say okay because here's the thing if you're confessing it or you're telling the truth and you feel safe we're in the right process here you got to understand that. Religion kicks you when you're down. Religion makes you feel more ashamed because of what you've done. I've been in those situations. I've walked into Pentecostal churches where the intercessor, intercessor ladies came up to me and pointed out all my dysfunction and said, told me how much of Jezebel was ruling and reigning in my life. Been there. Now, they might have been true, but they didn't need to tell it to me that way. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. I mean, you want to draw me in or push me away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everybody say there's a better way. And see, that's what God's doing in the church all over the world right now. With all the new music that's coming about, God being a good father and love, there is this whole good father movement, but we can't ever sacrifice the understanding of righteousness and the polarity between dark and light. That's sloppy grace. Now, we can't do it without grace, but we've got to understand God requires something of us. He wants you to live upright and to be safe, a safe place where people can come to. That's what it means to be safe. So let's look at this. Present yourself. Come into intimacy. You know, I've read this scripture, by the way, a thousand times. Every time I read it, I get something new. You're going to get something new out of this right now. Present. Come into intimacy with your body. Now, the word body here is different than the word for flesh in the Bible. 
The word for flesh in the Bible is the word sarx, S-A-R-X. And we're going to look at that in a minute. I always remember that because it sounds like another word. And when I think flesh in an unhealthy way, it ties right in with that word, okay? Right? But this is the word soma, S-O-M-A. And it means your whole body. Everybody say your whole body. Which is what? Your mind, your spirit, your soul, your everything of who you are, just come to him by the mercy of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Trust him. Stop believing these lies of dysfunctional religion. If you're an unbeliever today or you've been an atheist or you don't believe in anything about God, I'm telling you it's because you don't know how awesome he is and the great life that he has to give. You've either been told a lie, you've been, you saw a lie, somebody treated you that in the name of God as a Christian. You know, somebody just calling themselves Christian doesn't always move my heart. The KKK calls themselves Christians. <laughs> Westboro Baptist Church, dysfunction.com. You know a tree by its fruit, not by their title. Yeah. Yeah. Bam! Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're fired up today. <laughs> so you present your soma. You know what the exact sister-related word to soma is? It's the word in the Greek, sozo. And you know what the word sozo means? It means to be made. It's the word for saved. And so if anybody says, are you saved? Let me tell you something. They're probably asking you if you're born again. There's a difference between being born again and saved. Now, they work in conjunction with each other. They're a dichotomy. They walk in parallel. They go hand in hand. First, you get born again by saying, God, I surrender all to the lordship of you. I don't want to do it my way. Holy Spirit, Jesus, come and dwell within me. And now his life comes into me, and then I am saved. And saved is I was, I am, and I will be because saved means I'm now made whole mentally, physically, and spiritually. And it takes the life of Christ and a process of walking it out. Because I was saved for years and years and years and doing things I never should have been doing. Shoot, for the first year that I gave my life to Christ, I was a pot smoker. And I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was Oh, yeah, devil, you better. I mean, I felt like I could destroy the gates of hell for about a day and then the next day I was hiding under the table in shame and fear because it was contrary to what the Holy Spirit wanted for me people come and say well show me in the Bible we're smoking pot show me where God doesn't want people to smoke pot he made all the herbs of the field and said it was good (laughs) this is fun preaching isn't it I, I just love saying that it's amazing the road that the Lord has taken me down Because there's a difference between right and righteous. And at the end of the day, you've got to be spirit-led and stop trying to conform to being good and being transformed because being good is conforming. Transforming makes you good. You know that there's a difference between being good and doing good. And some of us have a dysfunctional relationship with wanting to be good. That's the wrong tree. That's conformity. So then I'll start thinking of the patterns of how I can conform to be good. It's called behavior modification. And so finally, the Holy Spirit's conviction in my life, I don't even have to give you scriptures, though I can give you some. The point is, is the Holy Spirit, through conviction, said that is not what I want you to do. And I knew it, and I learned to be obedient because God was teaching me. But thank God that God was patient. There's got to be mercy. You receive mercy so that you can show mercy. And let me tell you, when you have hundreds of people, soon to be thousands, when you're turning a city upside down, you've got to realize that people are in process. And religion tries to beat you when you're down and say, you should have known better. What's the matter with you? You've done that so many times. You're such an idiot. And we walk around telling ourselves how stupid we are. I'm so stupid. I'm such an idiot. And God says, stop identifying. Stop speaking death over yourself. And speak life. Yeah. You're trying to conform. If you just say, man, I just want to do good. I just, I, just want to, I just want to be good, Lord. I just want to. You're constantly living in this arena of trying to measure up. God wants to transform you. And it's, it's, it's his patience and his kindness and his love that causes us to 
turn our lives around. He loves you. I wish I could rip my heart out and you could and I could put it in you so you could feel how I feel about you. I'm telling you, stop listening to the lies of the devil and step up to the plate to be transformed. And I'm going to show you how to be transformed today. And let me tell you why this is important. Because every night, every day, I'm battling spun out employees, broken equipment, hundreds of people pulling responsibility shopping centers, my wife, my family, money, pressures, debt. I'm in the trenches with you. I'm a bivocational fighter in full-time ministry, and you're in full-time ministry wherever you're at. And God did not destine you to live a life full of thorns and thistles, stress, anxiety, and worry. And when it comes, when it comes, when depression and anxiety knock on my door, which it does, when I find myself not able to sleep at night, I have an answer. And the first thing that I have to do is present myself. Everybody say present myself. Man, say it again. If you don't present yourself, you're going to stay the same. I'm just trying to get you to step one. Paul said to the Corinthian church, I really want to teach you about the more that God has in store. I want you to be spiritual, but you're still carnal, still divided, still isolated, still stressed, still divisive. So I can only give you the milk of the word. But I, I want to get you to the place where you start to grow and bloom and blossom. That requires a lot of patience. Same with your own kids. It requires a lot of patience. We're doing life together with a lot of broken people, a lot of people that have crazy backgrounds, a lot of people that have warped belief systems about God. Some of you, who knows what you did last night and where you were, but you made it here today, and I'm proud of you. Yeah. Listen to me. I am proud of you. Thank you for coming. I know how hard it is to park in a parking lot in front of the Dollar General in the shopping center to come to church and to walk through the front door and come into an atmosphere that's electrically charged, that talks about spiritual warfare. We're in an army. We're in a, I know that there's a lot of churches that teach a lot differently than I do, and I thank God for them. But we're here for a reason and a purpose, and you're not here by chance. God wants an army, not an audience. So we present our soma, all of our being. We just come right and we say, Lord, I'm coming in by your mercy. Remember, because of the mercy of God, his compassion and his love for you. He loves you. He's compassionate. If you don't see God as a loving, compassionate God, you will never present yourself. You know why? Because of shame. Shame is the biggest detractor and greatest dysfunction that keeps people in hiding. Because if you feel shamed, you're going to hide. We got to stop hiding. And when there's shame at work in our life or craftiness and deceit that's hidden and we don't present ourselves, then I don't do relationships well, tons of failed marriages, no good friends, no people that lift me up, and I find my best friends and people that I want to hang out with at the bar every night. And that's how many people live their life. Every night looking to things to comfort them and other people that don't ultimately set them free and pull them up. So God says, present yourself. Everybody say, present myself. God wants a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. So number one, if God wanted to whack you and kill you, he'd already done it. Let's just get past that. So if you're thinking God's just out to get you, trust me, if he wanted to get you, he would have. There needs to be a healthy fear of the Lord and understanding that God could wipe me out in a second, but now I'm his son, and who would ever want to kill their own son? Not a good father, right? So God wants a living sacrifice. Everybody say a living sacrifice. You know what sacrifice means? It means that I'm going to take something that I really value and I'm going to trade it for something that I think's better. You know your whole life's a sacrifice. You're making a sacrifice right now. Your time. You could have slept in today. You could have gone. Well, you wouldn't want to go to the beach today, but (laughs) you could have done a lot of other things, right? But you made a choice to make a sacrifice. And you realize there's something better. Everybody say there's something better. So I'm giving up my valuable time. I'm giving up my valuable children, my family, my career. I'm, everything is a sacrifice, not in a healthy, you know, Mayan Indian way of climbing the steps and sacrificing our kids. What I mean is nothing is an idol before the Lord. He's number one. Because if he's not number one, I'll never be able to leave my family, my wife, my kids, and myself the way God intended. That's what I'm talking about. 
So I make the sacrifice. Everybody say, make the exchange. exchange. That's why Isaiah 55, there's this plea that says, seek the Lord while he can be found. Oh, you got no money to buy wine and milk and bread? Oh, you're broke, busted, and disgusted? Realize it and now come to the Lord and buy without money because he'll he'll hook you up. Everybody say, God hooks me up. Now, I'm not just coming to God for the hookup. I'm coming to God because I recognize that I'm a man in desperate need. And I, in a lot of ways, according to the world standards, have it going on. Successful coffee shops, growing church, shopping center. Oh, man, businesses paying the church rent. I'm not stressed out and anxious that I got to get your money all the time and shake you upside down and shake out all, everything in your pocket and overly twist your arm or pressure you to come to church. I don't pressure anybody to come to church ever. Come because you're desperate, hungry, and you want something for your life that when you walk out these doors, you got a hold of something that helps you, aids you, and transforms you, not conforms you. Doesn't that just feel good? Yeah. Woo. Come on, baby. So we're making a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, holy and acceptable to God. Here's a lie. I'm going to use Doug. I used you last service. Come up here, Doug. We're going to totally role play, okay? What I'm about to say is not happening. In fact, Doug's our men's ministry leader. But let's hypothetically say, (laughs) now, if I say anything that you're doing, you better tell me later. No, I'm kidding. I think we're good. Now, let's look at it this way. Here's the lie of religion. God is not going to accept you because you're not holy. Okay, now, everybody has to go to the brazen altar and lay their life down. But God draws and woos and attracts, and anybody that makes the decision to become a living sacrifice, God says, I'll take you, and I'll transform you because of my compassion. What God's looking for is a genuine authenticity where you really want to know him. That's what he's looking for. So, watch this, okay? So Doug is married, and he's been sleeping around on his wife, and he's told me privately. (laughs) Now, we're role-playing, and if somebody here is doing that, there's love, compassion, and freedom. You need to come into the light, okay? So he's told me, and yesterday he was smoking, I mean, he was smoking big doobies. (laughs) I know they don't call them doobies anymore, but... That was back in the day, all right? All right. So he also, about every other weekend, claims he's going on business, but what he's really doing is he's headed up to Oklahoma or Kansas City and hitting up the casinos, and every now and then he goes to Vegas. And he says it's for work, but I know something that he's not told you all. Now, Doug has realized that the life he's living, he can't stand anymore. And he, even though he appears to be happy on the outside, he's really miserable on the inside, but he doesn't show it, he doesn't tell it, and he's living a lie. And he's come to me and he's told me about it. And I said, now listen, bro, that's not who you are. I love you, and I believe God can rescue you out of your dysfunction and, and set you free. Now, there's some choices that will need to be made, but first let's get you to Jesus and let's get his active love and life working in you, Okay? And so he says, okay. I said, come to church tomorrow. So he comes to church and he sits in the front row. The worship's powerful. The anointing's great. He looks around. He's like, man, I've never seen a church and a people like this on fire. Man, this is a worshiping church. And Doug says, Lord, I don't want to live the way I'm living anymore, and I'm sorry. I'm presenting myself to you. Now I'm standing next to him. Now, I haven't been smoking doobies, cheating on my wife, going to casinos, sneaking money around, and doing all those things that he's been doing. And I go, God, I'm so desperate for you. Thank you, Lord, and I need you so much. I present myself to you. Do you understand that God accepts both of us? You've got to get past this warp thing. you got to get past this warp thing that says, that somebody's better than you and comparing yourself to others. God loves everybody. Have a seat. Give Doug a hand clap. Now, thank God that Doug is not doing those things. But listen, chances are likely somebody here could be because this is a church that attracts people that are hurting and broken 
and we want to help you if that's the case and get you first to the Lord so that you can know that he loves you because love covers a multitude of sins. Let's say that together. Love covers a multitude of sins. So here's the thing. When Jesus came, he didn't have one follower. He made the decision that he was going to lay his life down as a sacrifice while you were yet sinners, Romans 5, Christ died for you. So if you got this God's going to whack me warp thing going on, get past that. Let's, let's present ourselves by coming out of hiding. Yes. Just come out of hiding. Amen. Seriously, and, and that doesn't mean you have to walk around confessing your sins to everybody. First get to the Lord yeah. and then get an envi- in an environment where people will love you, care for you, support you, and help you instead of beat you when you're down. So God's looking for a sacrifice. That becomes holy and acceptable. It can't happen without God's help in your life. Now, you get transformed over the course of time. And you understand that now, the closer that I get to the Lord and the more upright I become, I experience more of what God has for me in this life because I can be trusted with more. That's a process of growth. He says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Everybody say reasonable service. I love this word reasonable because it's a word that I kind of attack a lot because it's used so dysfunctionally. The word for reasonable in the Greek is the word logeko, which is where we get the word logic. It's your logical service. And the word for service is the word liturgical, which is where we get our worship. So the point is, is that God says, you know what, you know what it means to be logical? It's basically common sense. It makes total sense. It also means that you're adhering to a set of standards or laws that were already put in place. And those standards and laws that God put in place were, are written in his word. There's a standard of how God wants us to live. And so our logical worship or our logical service is presenting ourselves to the Lord continuously. That's every day. Now I understand it's work. I know it can be hard with kids. Trust me. I know it can be hard with your jobs. You got to get up early. You work 12 hours a day. You have mouths to feed. Kids have been sick. It's been a struggle. It's been hard. It's been a challenge. I get that. But I promise you, if you will begin to sow even a minute to two minutes to five minutes, a little here, a little there, instead of the news, instead of the face, and I look at Facebook and the news, but I make it my priority to spend time in his word and hearing his voice. It's not enough to just read the Bible. You've got to learn to hear God's voice. Yeah. That's what First, or, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4 says. If you, have been, if you have learned Christ and been taught by him or heard him, yes. I want to get you guys to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. You guys don't know this. Maybe you do, and I've, I might have said this before, but you know I don't have an office. There's no green room here. <laughs> In fact, when service is over, I got one way to go. This way, okay? You know where my office is? I have written the last three years of messages. Every message, including this one, has been written under a bridge by the water. If you want to kill me, put me in an office cubicle. (laughs) Now, some of you are working in an office cubicle. Let me tell you this. My first job was after waiting tables when I got into the corporate world was in an office cubicle. It was for a tax and accounting software company making $7. I was making $15,000 a year, which is about $7.25 an hour after taxes. And my first job was sitting in this office cubicle. And I mean, I was miserable. Just, I was dying a horrible death. (laughs) But it was a death that I needed to die because here's what the Lord said. I said, God, I'm miserable. And the Lord said, if you don't chase after money and promotion, And now this applies if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's. This applies if you're cleaning toilets, if you're a janitor. I don't care what your job is or how much money you make. You learn to be faithful wherever God's put you. And what will happen is when you're faithful with a little, God gives you more. It's a natural biblical kingdom law that happens. In fact, when I got raised up making over $100,000 a year in the corporate world and we interviewed people, I looked for the people that worked the jobs that nobody else wanted to work, like flipping burgers, scrubbing toilets, because I knew that these people would be dedicated and work hard. I'm challenging you to be faithful no matter where God's got you and to pray and love and shine bright and stop getting sucked into the conformity of the world, which is to complain, 
be negative, be angry, be mad, victim mentality, it's everybody else's fault. God's called you to shine. God's called you to be the light in the darkness. And there's no <clears throat> clause that says when you make a lot of money, you'll be able to shine a little bit better. There's no clause that says when everything's going your direction and your boss treats you really well, and you got that really great boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse and everything's perfect, you're really going to shine. It doesn't work like that. The way it works is the life of Christ comes in you. I'm transformed. I suddenly behold him. Second Corinthians, or, uh, yeah, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that anybody that turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away. And now all of us with an unveiled face can behold him as looking into a mirror and looking at the glory of, the, of God into his image and we become transformed. I just got to get you looking at the Lord. Okay, now this is a battle. This is every day. That's why I say it. I'm, I'm on it so much. I, mean, so I thought, man, I think I'll talk about the love of God. I really want to do Psalm 23. We're talking about doing a whole series on Ruth. I mean, I got all this. I want to do the life of David. I've never taught on it. I mean, I got like so much in me. But the Lord is showing me how many people are coming here struggling in their mind. I call it head noise, confusion. There's so many lies about God, so much dysfunction from our own past that we have to war and battle this every day. And the only way that that's going to happen is to present yourself and verse 2. Let's go to verse 2. There's the word conformed. It's only used in two places in the whole New Testament, here and in 1 Peter. Don't be conformed. To be conformed is to fashion yourself to the likeness of something else. Okay? It's worldly peer pressure. It's what our kids would, are attacked with in the world to constantly feel like I have to dress better, look better, have the cool. That was my whole life. I mean, I had the most awesome Jordass jeans once. <laughs> Let me just tell you, my Z Cavaricis were rocking. I had the best ID shirts where I rolled up my sleeves. I was Don Johnson in Kansas City. Rolled up my pant legs. You guys don't know what I'm talking about? Well, if you were in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. That was purposeful. <laughs> all right, all you millennials, Google it. Google it. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay. The thing I'm trying to tell you is you're constantly bombarded by the patterns of the world. Our kids, everything. If you don't get violent spiritually, and I'm not telling you you're just talking Christianese and every other word, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, Jesus, brother, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not telling you to get a Christianese language. I'm telling you to take the life of Christ into your everyday life, your work, whatever you do, wherever you go, and to learn to be spirit-led. You got to be spirit-led. You guys doing all right? Okay. So don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's talk about that for a moment. You know what it means to be renewed? To be renewed means to be completely rebuilt and to be completely restored. It means that you have a complete change for the better. It's a renovation. You know, we have, a, uh, uh, we have some general contractors here. We have some car builders here. Sometimes you got to tear down before you can build back up. And what happens is, is that when something is worn out, broken, or run down, it needs to be fully replaced or repaired. That's what it means to be renewed. It's not this weird magical thing. It's the understanding that you can be renewed when you get transformed in your mind, in the way that you think, in the way that you believe, in the way that you process. Transformation happens in the life of Christ. Transformation and renewal happens when I'm constantly presenting myself. Everybody say, present yourself. Are you guys getting my point today? I preach this so much, I know I'm like a broken record, but here's why. There's no behavior modification. You've got to learn to spend time with Jesus and get with him so that you can be transformed or changed and renewed in your thinking and in your mind. Okay, now, <clears throat> the original message that I was going to preach was called head noise. I might still preach it. 
And I had all these scriptures in Romans 1 and Ephesians 4 about how your mind goes dark and where mental illness issues come from. I've taught on that before. Mental illness is a serious crisis in millennials right now. More and more kids are going, going to memorial to the psych ward because they're spinning out in their mind, and there's reasons for that. And every day, the enemy is battling after your mind every day to get you to believe lies, to isolate you, to fill your head with all this confusion and junk and lies about God. So I'm giving you some answers today. And the answer is, don't be conformed, but be transformed by renewing your mind. And then in turn, you're able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You prove it for yourself. And you prove it to everybody that looks at your life. It's amazing to see all my old friends from high school and all my old Grateful Dead friends that I hung out all the time. Because back in the day, they never in a million years would have thought I'd be doing what I'm doing today. And it wasn't because I went to seminary school and I got a lot better and I adhered to all the religious rules and conformed. It's because God changed my life. Amen. And that's what he wants to do with you. Okay? So, without renewing your mind and the daily transformation of our lives... Here's what the consequence is. There's always a consequence. If you don't get renewed every day, here's the consequence. You'll be conformed to the pattern of the world. Don't get mad at me. I love you a lot. And you know what? Listen, it's a slow fade. I love that song because it's so true. It's like you just slowly fade and you don't even really, it's like, how did I get here? Yeah. Over a period of time, I just, I lost the fire, the excitement, the joy, yeah. the energy. Here's the thing. Church, I can be so, I mean, I can shout fire and lay hands on you, and my hands can be hot, and you get totally whacked. But if you don't get what I'm teaching you today, you'll never sustain it every day of your life. Come on. It's time to really get fired up, and we cultivate that fire by presenting ourselves. Because think about sacrifice. If you actually look up the word sacrifice in the last scripture, it means... Quote, unquote, a sacrifice by fire. So I say, God, here I am. Just consume me. Burn me up with your fire so that's none of me and all of you. That's our prayer. Okay? So what are the patterns of the world? Now, I don't have time to teach you all the scriptures on what the patterns of this world are. There are so many. Okay? There are so many. Write these scriptures down if you're taking notes or research them later. You can listen to this podcast later as well. Romans 1, 20 through 28, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. But I am going to show you one solid pattern of the world. But before I show it to you, I want to remind you that we're in a war, first with ourselves and then with Satan. Satan hates you. He's subtle. He's crafty. He doesn't even want you to know he's there. He does all he can to try to distract you, flash bomb you, weird occurrences in the night, doors closing, freaky things, nightmares, whatever kind of stuff the enemy can try to throw your way. But when you realize and know who you are in Christ and the authority that God's given you, when you learn to walk by full confidence and assurance of faith, when you understand Ephesians 2, which I want all of you to go read, Ephesians 2, especially the very end, makes it very clear that all things have been put under Jesus' feet. The enemy's already been defeated. The enemy's already been defeated. So it's all an illusion. It's all shadows of him trying to get you afraid and fearful and get you off walking step by step in the spirit every day. It's a battle, guys. This is a battle. And I'm for you. And if we'll make a commitment together to get unified, imagine if there's 500, 1,000, 2,000 people unified walking in the power and the love of Christ that brings that kind of love to this city. We're going to turn this city upside down. We're going to rock this city. That's what we're going to do, okay? So let me show you this one pattern. And it's, this is really fun for me because I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible, okay? Because it's so awesome and it makes so much sense. Let's read this together. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, 
trinket gods. We got our Buddhas and our Feng Shui and all these things that we think are going to bring life, and they don't. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. Doesn't this just sound just like the world, by the way? <laughs> Cutthroat competition. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. You better climb the ladder and climb over anybody you can to get to the top. All-consuming, yet never satisfied once. People aren't satisfied. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Welcome to so much of America. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. And I could go on. This isn't the first time that I've warned you, Paul said. You know, if you use your freedom this way, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that is so right on, but that is bad news. That's like badnewsbears.com. I'm in the 80s mode today. I don't know what's going on. I mean, bad news bears. <clears throat> Did you ever see bad news bears? I've heard of it. Oh, you've heard of it. <clears throat> <clears throat> Have you seen it? No. It's a great movie, man. You really you should see it. <clears throat> this is what happens when you get a pastor that's 46 years old. I'm just telling you. Listen, the world's news is bad news. There's no gospel in the world. You know what gospel means, right? It means good news. There's only one place the gospel's found. That's in the kingdom. So you just got the bad news. That's the world's bad news. But I got some gospel news for you. Let's read Galatians 5, 22 through 23 from the Message Bible. Okay. Now, what happens when you live God's way? Ponder that for a minute. Stop reading. Just think to yourself, what's going to happen to me if I live God's way? Just think for that for a second. Well, let's read. He brings gifts into our lives much the same way. Here's the garden comparison. I love this. He brings you back to the garden. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Isn't that awesome? Things like this, affection for others. Instead of being angry, apathetic, divided, everybody's out to get you, victim mentality, I can't stand this nation in America, those stinking Democrats or Republicans, and we're divided politically, and we're angry, and we're mad. And we drive out of the parking lot angry and mad because the potholes, and somebody cut you off, and they shook their fist and flipped you off while you were on your way out. I have firsthand experience about every day with that, okay? That's the way Flower Bluff has been, but let's believe it's going to change, okay? That's what we're believing. Or maybe Corpus Christi. I don't know what to say, but. So now instead of being mad and angry and apathetic, suddenly I'm a new creation because this is really the fruit of the Spirit. You're just reading it in the Message Bible. Patience, love, kindness, temperance, meekness. This is who God makes us to be. This is the fruit of God's spirit in your life. So it says, affection for others. I love this. Exuberance about life. Yeah! Woo! Fired up, baby! And I haven't had my coffee for an hour and a half. Come on. Woo! I'm like shaking the shakers. Come on, we're going to worship. I used to be on top of... Tables at reggae clubs doing shots to kill. Now I'm in worship. I'm sober-minded. I'm on fire. I got you in my life. We got each other. I got my kids. I got my awesome wife. I'm going to get to take a nap today. I mean, I'm excited. Thanks to my wife, by the way. Thanks to my wife. Come on, guys. The only way that you're going to come out of a dysfunctional life is when you taste something better. Religion's not going to cut it. Conformity is not going to cut it. Transforming your life is what cuts it. So let's keep reading this. So good. Yeah. Exuberance about life. 
Serenity now. Come on, that's funny. That's Seinfeld right there. I mean, that's hilarious. You know, you knew that one? Serenity now. <laughs> yeah. Check this out. Instead of quitting or isolating ourselves, we develop a willingness to stick with things. We have a sense of compassion in the heart. Now, instead of me being angry at people and apathetic and mad at you and you, 30 of you weren't here last week, and I was so upset. Instead of that, I'm so thankful whoever was here and that you're here, and I have a heart of compassion no matter what, and I'm not moved by the lies of the devil that wants to divide me. The devil would tell me I'm a terrible pastor, and this church isn't going to make it, and your family's not going to make it, and it's all, all the walls are going to come crumbling down. And then we're singing John Mellencamp songs from the 80s. You don't know who that is either? I am like batting negative 1,000 today. Half the room, that's right. Thank God I have a multi-generational church in here. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So we have compassion in the heart and a conviction. Everybody say a Conviction. That a basic holiness permeates things in people. That because I've come into the light and I presented myself as a holy living sacrifice, now not only do I change, but my family, my kids, my, my community, everybody changes for the better. If we all can do this, and it's not just based on me or one person or a group of leaders, if we can get an army and a tribe and a family and a people that are walking upright before the Lord, imagine what's going to happen. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments. We become loyal. We become committed. Not needing to force our way in life. You don't have to force your way. I know that the world system's dog eat dog. I know what it's like out there. I've been in it and lived it. I know what it means to live paycheck to paycheck. I know what it means to be under mountains of debt and not feel like I'm going to make it. I know what it means that if God doesn't come through at the 11.9th hour, I was going to die, get evicted, or not going to make it. I know what it's like to eat baked beans on the floor without a table or money to buy food. I know what it means to not have and to have to trust God every step of the way. I know what it means to cry and cry and cry out to God and to believe and to trust that he'll come through and not know where my answer is going to come from. But instead of looking to the hills, I realize it doesn't come from the hills. I look to the hills, David said, where does my help come from? It doesn't come from the hills. It comes from the living God, okay? Because he's your provider. He's your provider, right? And so I don't have to force my way in life, and I'm able to marshal and direct my energies wisely. Isn't that so good? Isn't that awesome? I'm just going to leave you with this, and we're going to pray for you. I'd like to ask the worship team to come up, my prayer partners to come up. I'm going to leave you with one last scripture. We're going to jump out of the Message Bible and I'm going to take you over to the NIV. I do like to look at a variety of different versions. I don't read the NIV normally now, but do you know that for my first probably seven years of being a Christian, that's all that I read because I could understand it, okay? Now, check this scripture out, okay? This is where we're going to get you in line today. If any of you, if this message has been for you and you're struggling with confusion, sleepless nights, anxiety, depression, worry, fear, if the world's been calling your name nonstop, your old friends are calling you to the bars every night, if you're struggling and, and trying to be like the world, but you really want to break out of it, if you're struggling in any way, shape, or form, here's what's happened. You've gotten out of step with the Holy Spirit. Look at this scripture. Galatians 5.24 says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, if you belong to Christ Jesus, if you don't, you got to get born again. If you've been an unbeliever or an atheist, if you've been angry at religion, I'm telling you, you got to get a new life, not a religion. I don't want you to get a religion. I want you to get a new life and to be transformed. That's what the kingdom of God and Jesus does. He transforms you. If you belong to Jesus, if you don't get it, you got you to make the decision. Now, let me make it clear. I am not a universalist, and I don't believe everybody's automatically in. Romans 8 makes it clear 
If we don't have the spirit, we're not his. He loves everybody. He died for all. He rose for all. Everybody has the opportunity to grab a hold of his forgiveness, but we have to grab a hold of it and make the decision. Universalists would say, yeah, but then that was your works. That was your choice. No, that's called faith. And we're saved by grace through faith, by the way. So don't fall prey to the lie. We make the decision to say, God, I want to know you and I want to be adopted as a son. Because if you're not adopted, you're orphaned. Got that? And that doesn't mean I'm against the shack or even think Paul Young is a full-scale, all-out universalist. I think enjoy the movie. Enjoy the understanding of God's love and the Trinity and how they work together. Take it for what it is and just make the decision and stop getting hung up on all the little informalities. And I know some people won't like that, and I've read all of the articles online about all the heresy, supposedly. Come on, guys. Love Jesus, love others, and let's get people transformed. Can we do that? I thought that was a pretty good thing to say there. I probably made somebody mad. I, I probably made somebody mad, but please don't get mad at me. Listen to this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have done what? Crucify the sarks. Crucify the sarks. Crucify the animal nature, which, by the way, animal nature is not something I just came up with. It's in the, it's in the definition of this word. Okay, It's carnal nature. Let's crucify it with its passions and desires, right? And verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. Everybody say, keep in step. So look, here's what's happening. Some of you came in, you got born again, you got in step, went out, devil worked on overtime to conform you, you got out of step. Here's what I'm saying. Let's get back in step today. Let's get back in step today. You got the answers walking by the Holy Spirit. I had somebody ask me, one of my, one of my motorcycle tribe of Judah guys, said that a relative is gay and she's getting married to another woman and he doesn't know if he should go to the wedding or not. What should I do, pastor? What should I do? Wow, I have all your attention all of a sudden. (laughs) I told him there's a difference between right and righteous and the real answer is what's the Holy Spirit telling you to do because you need to be spiritual and the real challenge is, is you're not hearing the Holy Spirit because I can tell you what I think and you can make a decision based on principle. But what if one day God wants to transform one of those girls and they come to a crisis and you've been the only Christian that's loved them and God gets one, wants to get one of them born again and they weren't offended and mad. But I said on the flip side, maybe God wants you to stand up for principle and make it very clear that ultimately gay marriage is an assault on real marriage and an assault on the heart of the father to destroy the kingdom, which causes sons and daughters to not reproduce. And he goes, because <laughs> you see there's two sides. Yeah. You can be right and not righteous. That's why you can't live in this staunch principle mindset. You've got to get spirit led. Yeah. yeah. I know some of you just got either got mad or really loved me even more. I don't know what happened. I said, be spirit led. I said, go to your wife. And I said, tell her, listen, I don't agree with gay marriage, but I will go because it's a relative. I just want you to know I don't agree with it. But if you want me to go, I will. And he says that to her. And she says, you know what? If you don't want to go and you don't feel like it's right, I totally support that. And he was so set free from fear.